0: Jen Uphoff-Grey, Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin, and this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to this new episode of Theatre Forward. This time, we're changing things up a bit and bringing in a pair of artists currently working on our upcoming production of Every Brilliant Thing by Duncan Macmillan with Johnny Donahoe. I'm sitting here with our director, Tyler Marchant, and actor David Daniel in the Forward Theatre Rehearsal Room, and we're going to talk a little bit about the special needs of this particular production process. Welcome to Theatre Forward, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. It's so great to have you both back. You were both at Forward a few seasons ago working on Outside Mullingar, so we've reunited your dream team.
1: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yes.
0: So one of the things that we thought would be um, interesting to delve into in this conversation is the several different ways in which the needs of this particular piece are really different from most of the shows that we produce here at Forward, and it's required um, some flexibility and some creative thinking on our part as a producing company, um, and really led by um, your understanding of the piece, Tyler, and your vision for how this was going to come together. Do you want to just talk a little bit about this piece? Yeah, I think there's
1: a quality to the play of intimacy and community. And in thinking about how to structure the play and how to find its physical home, uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about how do we do that in the Playhouse. Uh, for those of you familiar with the Playhouse, uh, it's a thrust stage seating for the most uh, I would qualify it as that. And I think the play is asking for something slightly different in terms of how do we come to it uh, as an audience member to feel not only ourselves at the event, but the person sitting across from us, the person sitting next to us, and engaging not only with the actor in the production, but also uh, our fellow audience members. And there was a really important quote from uh, one of the uh, from Johnny, one of the the collaborators on the, the original production, about how being able to see someone across the theater was so important to the initial production of this. And he thought that it was uh, a really important quality to have. And when I, uh, when I first started conversations with you about the the show and, and thinking about, you know, it, can the Playhouse be transformed and that created some really big hurdles and uh, that that you as a producing organization hadn't uh, encountered before. And we had a lot of conversations about that. And I, I, I think we found our way to the path that allowed us to tell the story as best we could and i i'm so thankful that you and julie and ford and overture all came together to try to figure out what that means to transform the playoffs into a new way of seating audience members and uh those that are familiar with theater uh with forward theater productions are gonna walk into the playoffs and see something brand new and that's pretty exciting i think and by putting this show in the round, we have the real opportunity to put DD Dee Dee in the center of that, but also continually remind the audience members with the lights up throughout the whole production that this is a story that absolutely needs community in order to be told. It cannot be told by one person. And I think solving that huge producer production hurdle was uh, absolutely key to moving the show forward.
0: Yeah, for those who are listening who may not be familiar with the play, and I'm assuming many are because it is in the top 10 most produced plays in the country this year, but it is a one actor piece that does um, require a a pretty significant amount of engagement with uh, some audience members. Um, And so a space like ours, as you say, Tyler, that is not only a thrust, but we also have a balcony. um, And the... The realization was really the point um, that when you first came to me and said, can we do it in the round? And I was like, no, this (laughs) theater doesn't really do that. It's never done that. This theater has been here the space for decades. It's never been done in the round. Um, This is going to be an enormous headache. We shouldn't we shouldn't do that. But then I remember you came back to me and said the people sitting in the balcony will not be able to engage with this story. And that was so that was, I was that was my light bulb moment when you said that i was like oh of course you're right and we can't do that to a significant portion of our audience so now what do we do um, to solve that problem and so um you know being able to drop the thrust down to floor level build an entire bank of seats to effectively replace the capacity of the seats that are up in the balcony um and How to do that in ways that met with fire code (laughs) um, that the fire department would sign off on and how wide do the aisles have to be and how many railings and how many seats can we get in and all of that. Um, And then to the extra complication of the box office software and how do we sell tickets for a new section and how expensive is that to um, to create that bank of seats. And so it definitely became uh, a whole list of um, I'm not even going to say problems to solve, but challenges to rise to. uh, that we really were learning as we went. But now that we've jumped through those those um, those hoops, I can't imagine wanting to do this play without having done it. So it felt like a great... Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, as we've take. been in the rehearsal room and uh, we've p- put the show together and, and been able to share it with a few uh, invited guests, which maybe we'll talk about it, uh, um, coming up, but uh, it just... Every time it feels like the exact right decision that we made, I I really the show would be fundamentally different if we wouldn't have figured out how to solve that. And I I think uh, uh, kudos to everybody who troubleshot to figure that out, because I think the play is. Much better because of it, yeah.
0: David have you done um shows in the round before?
1: I have.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it very much and uh, one of the reasons I enjoy it is because the audience acknowledges the audience. It's such a it's a it just takes it it moves from the level of I am in the theater by myself as the lights go down to I am in the theater with a group of people. And that's such a rare occurrence that we get to laugh together and 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 I hear something and I go, oh, I didn't know that. And I can look across and see someone who did know that and has (laughs) known it in a very deep way. And I, it just, it increases the, our sense and depth of community. That's, I I love doing theater in the round.
0: And it's one of the things that drew us to wanting to do this play in the first place. I mean, especially now 2020 and, and our technological age, more and more we find people wanting to come to the theater specifically to experience the opposite of technology. To experience community and live behavior, live living.: <laughs> well,
2: the, the goal, I think, for many years of theater was to be as realistic as possible: sinks that ran water, doors that really closed. And when cinema hit its stride, it naturally it surpassed anything that we could do on stage. But the thing that you can't get in a cinema, as much as we all love films, is that you can't be connected with the actor who's up there on stage is a real person there's real people there's real sweat and spit <laughs> in the air in front of you and that's uh, that's the unique and prime experience that theater can offer that nothing else can
0: so this is the first one actor show that we've done uh, here at Forward, and um, and not just a one actor show, but a one actor show that does engage with the audience a lot. And the two of you have known for quite some time that this project was coming up. And maybe talk a little bit about the conversations you had prior to starting rehearsals about what you were going to need in order for those rehearsals to be successful.
1: Well, I, I think you know uh, one of the things that. Didi and I have done throughout the process, just uh, share articles back and forth with each other of of interesting uh, from video clips to articles dealing with uh, the topics that are involved with the play. And um, I actually I didn't tell Dee at all about um, my efforts to get the show in the round because I was afraid that if I told him and then we couldn't figure out how to, to make it all work, that he would have that in the back of his head for the entire run. <laughs> and I had spent many
2: weeks figuring out which sections of the play could be presented in the uh, in the balcony. I knew that I would be in the balcony. So I was like, okay, I could run up there for this <laughs> section. And then I could use this line to run back downstairs to connect with those people. I got to pull really far back to make sure I reached. Like yeah. I had started to map out the geography of just how to break the play into sections to make sure that I was not only that. The audience in the balcony could see, but just that they were connected, that they were within arm's reach of the story at any given time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just remember uh, being so excited to, to tell DD that, <laughs> that you're, you're, you're going to be so excited with this news and and saying, hey, we got this where we're, we're, we're going to put this in the round. You're just going to be so much more accessible to the audience and feeling like, bam, they're they're right there in terms of. Um, your access and the, the speed within which you can um, maneuver around the theater and feel like uh, you can have some control of that space because there is so much of the show that is unique to the night that it's being performed. And you, you as a performer have to give uh, up a lot of control for this show mm-hmm. and, and be Zen with sort of the idea of entering into the play and, and working with what is in front of you, not what you want it to be, but what is actually in front of you. And to know that there are some things that you do control that feel more manageable, I can only imagine is, is, is huge. And I, and I, I know watching it, it makes me feel good to know that you have that immediacy. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, it was a few months back uh, Tyler, that you and I started talking about the specific, unique needs of this rehearsal process yeah. and the fact that a big piece of what Dee needs to do in this show is um, respond to what the audience members will give to him on any given night. And you certainly don't want to start practicing that with the first public performance. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that too has been a, a sort of new problem for us to, to solve.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, I think it was our eighth day of rehearsal. We had people in the room with us, which (laughs) is incredibly scary. Um, And Didi showed uh, a lot of fortitude and guts to, to agree to that. But I think we both knew that getting people into the room early was important. And I, you know, we were just talking as we were walking into the room today about just having a hard time imagining what, the show would be right now if we wouldn't have already had some of those performances and we're going to continue i should say rehearsals with people in the room uh and we're going to continue to do that this week as well and i just feel like both of us have learned so much about the show uh both its challenges and and where it's succeeding uh already and and that took a lot of planning again coordination uh on a producer end to sort of figure out who are these people that are going to be in the room and what are the right kind of people to have in the room and how do we shift the kind of people that are in the room. And and I think we've 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 come in with a good plan and giving DD Dee Dee opportunity to, to uh uh interact with a lot of different people and I don't know if you want to add to that in any any way.
2: So I mean there's a normal rehearsal that actors and directors have where we talk about the pacing of the play uh, the depths of any particular moment in the play, but having those people and thank each and every one of them, if they're listening, thank you so much for being here with us over the last few days. But the ability for Tyler and I have that conversation of how can we facilitate that person's experience when we ask them to do something for us? Um, Tuesday night, it went like this. Wednesday night, it went like this. Thursday night, it went like this. I'm Tyler can then say, here's what I'm seeing that works best. Here's what's not working. Here's what people need from us in order for them to be in the experience and not be full of stage fright or to have concerns or just how can we cradle them and help them in this moment? And we couldn't get that just. We're both very intelligent people, one more so than the other. (laughs) We'll leave that (laughs) up to you. (laughs) Um, And we can certainly talk about it, but but to actually have a group of people that are willing to share their time with us. And then for us to experiment, try out.
1: The show has transformed so much Mm -hmm. from that first group of six people that saw the show Mm -hmm. to when we did it for the designer run on Sunday. Like Mm they're it's. Crazy to think about all the things that we discovered about the best way to approach um, so many different moments in the play, and just in general the idea of how do how do we um, encourage the interaction and yet um, be honest and truthful to what the play needs, and that that's a balancing act that that uh, some nights is going to go better than others, but I think we now have a. a foundation of understanding of uh the approach and and the the best practices of of getting in there and and uh allowing you to play um in a a safe place with the audience where that you feel safe they feel safe and now we can have this opportunity to share a moment and i think that's what's so beautiful about the play is i I think you have this opportunity to really share a moment with someone on stage in middle of this really beautiful story and those interactions are beautiful um, and and um, unique. It'll never happen again. And if people come to see the show on more than one night, they're going to see a, a different show by necessity.
0: Yeah. It was really um, a fun process for us uh, as a staff, figuring out how to serve you two and what you would need during this rehearsal process um, and knowing that you were going to need to, Sort of start small, but but grow in in the the resources that you had in terms of an audience as you learned the play and and figured out what you wanted to do with it. And what we wound up doing is um, bringing in, as you said, Tyler, is starting with about six people. So the second week of rehearsal, we had a few more people each day that were just coming to be a little trial audience <laughs> for you, Dee and it was really fun to think about. Who in our sort of extended forward theater family, which for us includes our audience, right, you know, would be good people to invite in, you know, some of our volunteers, some of our donors, some of our board members, a few artists who've worked with us, folks who might really enjoy the process of of being a part of your process and would be, you know, generous and game Um people to have in this room. So it would still feel safe for you as you're creating the piece. So that was really fun exercise for us to kind of think, to brainstorm who might be really great people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be a part of that. And now, um, as we record this, you finished your second week of rehearsals. We're starting the third week. And we're going to be doing something we've never done before again, which is you guys are taking your rehearsals on tour this week because we knew you would start to need slightly larger audiences to experiment. And how does, how is the show different when it's, you know, 25 people and not six that you have to play with? And so thinking about some of our community partners, the high school that we mentor, um, you know, the the senior center, um, you know, we're going to go visit the folks at the local newspaper on their lunch break, you know, but some, some groups of, and organizations that we've worked with that we thought would be excited and maybe some new people that might not know forward very well um, would have this really unique opportunity sort of on their own home turf. So yeah, we're going to be packing things up in the (laughs) rehearsal room and putting them in a, in a car and, and driving around. So.
1: Yeah. Luckily we have a very small set in terms of the actual uh, physical, uh, uh, landscape of of the show so uh, hopefully the actual move to different spaces will be pretty easy
0: yeah and Tyler you've directed some one actor shows before how is this one similar or different to those past experiences
1: um hmm that's a good question
0: I, you know every every show is its
1: own unique animal but I think what's different about this is a little bit what we touched on is because the writing of this play is so unique the problems or the challenges of the play um, are different in this and we've I think we've had a really fun time uh, collaborating on how to solve mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, take on those challenges with vigor. And, and I think it's been a lot of conversation as well as actual on our feet rehearsal because we've had to strategize a lot. And, and I think uh, whereas you might have a, a one-person play where all of the dialogue is written out and you've got this 90-minute or two-hour sequence of events that's very um, knowable, um, this is a show where some of it's knowable and some of it's not. And, and I think um, feeling like we're on the same page in terms of what is this moment about, how do we sculpt this moment and then, what is it that is essential that's played every time, and what is it that is malleable and and flexible and I think uh that's a really fun question to 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 think about and and it's also you know the play is dealing with some really serious issues um but it's also uh really fun and it's playful and it's humorous. but I think we've had to talk about where is where do we honor the play and the topics and how do we uh hold that dear in in all the good ways not not making it um not trying to gild the lily of moments but trying to find where do we honor what this play is about and and unmasking this Mm -hmm. um the 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 fear in our country of talking about some of these harder issues of of depression and and then where do we let the play um be playful as well.
0: Yeah. And Didi, I have to say, when I first read this play and thinking about you in this role, um, it's as a, as an artistic director, you know, planning seasons and, and having such um care and respect for my audience. Anytime there's a play that has, you know, the dread term audience interaction, <laughs> you know, envision the air quotes right now. Um, I I, I really think long and hard about it because our goal is to create a safe space for our audience, not in the sense of sort of playing it safe and not challenging them with content and ideas, um, but a place that they feel safe being in and opening themselves up to an experience. And anytime you start to um, engage the audience's participation, for a lot of people, they can start to feel unsafe. And that Mm -hmm. can be counterproductive to the kind of experience that we're trying to create. And honest to God, I cannot think of... A performer that I would more trust my audience's well-being with oh, than my you. Goodness. Thank you. Um, and I, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know how many productions um, you've been a part of in the past that do have that sort of audience interaction element. But I do know that you are an educator, and Lord knows, students are going to keep you improving <laughs> on your toes. Um, and so, I'm just curious about how how you think and feel about this aspect of this performance.
2: Well, I can't imagine it. I just—it's such—it was such a smart step for them to take that it became an interactive conversation. Because with this topic, that's that's where we want to leave the play. We want it to—we want to continue it to be a uh, an interactive conversation, and for us to start that in the safety of the theater and the. In that kind of world where we all are already meeting, that we already uh, come to, and then to begin to have this conversation and to start having it publicly with the actor, with the the people in the audience, knowing that we're going to take that conversation when we leave. Like we're just starting to learn the beginning on how to talk about this. And if we don't know how to talk about it, we can laugh about it. And if we don't know what to say about it, we can say, oh, that was really funny in that play. And then that it's just the, the seeds of a conversation. And you, you talked about the safety of your audience. And I, I, I know that we've already talked about it. I can't tell you enough how great it is to have this in the round. The fact that you started with, no, that's impossible. <laughs> and then. No, well, I no, we're going to have to and to fight that fight. A fight that most of the audience is not going to recognize as being a fight. We're like, well, sure, just pull up some chairs and uh, we'll do it in the round. And they don't understand the hours and the conversations and the coding and the email. They don't get that. That's huge. All the way down to the smallest detail. So I have uh, dyslexia, which is really fun in a play <laughs> with a lot of numbers. And... To be involved in the conversation where little tiny slips of paper where you'd have a number and something like the color yellow, that's it, and that we're going to hand it to someone that that forward has taken care to make sure that we're having a conversation about the size. We're having a conversation about the font. where is this font dyslexic friendly and let's let's ask some folks let's a little to to know that the care is being taken. Even on that minute level, just says, "Wow, this this is a theater that cares about its people." It's just, it's really, it's such a great place to work. Uh,
0: well, that warms my heart no <laughs> end. And this is one that that uh, you know I can. I'm always eager to share the pieces that we work on with the audience, especially we get to this point in the process. We're getting close. We're getting close. But I don't know that I've ever been more excited to bring the fullness of our audience into contact with this piece and what you guys have been creating here in this room and soon to be uh, around and about (laughs) the community. I think we will say that that's it for this episode of Theater Forward, which is a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Every Brilliant Thing runs January 23rd through February 9th in the Playhouse at Overture Center. If you're hearing this before then, we welcome you to check out tickets, which are available at forwardtheater.com. I want to sincerely thank David Daniel and Tyler Marshant for joining us here today. I'm Jen opoff gray Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook. Facebook, or Twitter at theaterforward.com. That's as always, as Mike Fisher would say, with an (laughs) E-R. We are so grateful to have you listening, and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.